0: freedom 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 over fame freedom over f- f- cycle stays the same welcome first of all welcome this is unsolicited perspectives I am your host Bruce Anthony thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your podcasts and video podcasts subscribe share like comment and rate us can find us on instagram youtube and twitch at unsolicited underscore perspectives on twitter and tiktok at unsolicited underscore per watch us live every thursday night 7 30 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch our audience continues to grow with each and every episode and i humbly thank you On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Will Wired, he's a former real estate agent and managing broker. We're going to be talking about his life, his history in real estate, and the current real estate market. But first things first. Hey there, podcast listeners, it's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness or gearing up for festival seasons or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration liquid iv speaking of health and wellness let's dive into how liquid iv can fuel your well-being Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon-lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of Liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouth water and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, Liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, Vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember, folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors, and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives. I'm here with Will Wired, former real estate agent, current broker. He's got a couple of different awards. He was 30 under 30 for something. 40 under 40 for something. He'll break it down and explain it to us. Uh, But we're going to be talking about real estate. I'm happy to have him on. He's a friend of mine. And the reason why I'm having him on is to tell a little bit about himself and also give us the rundown on real estate. Every time I talk to him about real estate, he knows what he's talking about. So, Will, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you coming in.
1: Well, Bruce, thank you as always for having me. It's a true honor. And again, uh, excited to be here.
0: Well, I mean, I never had you before. So you mean, thank you for having you on. Yes. Thanks no, for having no,
1: me on. I mean, we talk about this all the time. So thank you for having me. Yeah, on. we
0: talk about the, yeah, We talk about real estate all the time. And I was like, man, I got to get you on the show to, to tell people because a lot of people uh, don't really understand what's going on, going on out there in the real estate market. But before we get into all that, let's get in a little bit about your background. Uh, can you share how you got into the real estate industry? Sure.
1: Yeah, I got into real estate uh, the summer of 2007, believe it or not. Uh, I always make the joke I use really good um, hydrating facial lotion, which keeps me looking this young. But um got in <laughs> about 17 years ago and I uh-huh. uh, got my broker's license in Virginia when I turned 21. And uh, I managed a small family, a mom and pop shop for about three or four years, then moved to Arlington, Virginia, and uh, you know sold real estate for a good while. Uh, on average, our, I think our office and our team did over, you know, 200, 300 million in volume as a group. Um, and then shortly after that, I went into management at my mid 20s. So I was a managing broker around 25. And I've been doing that ever since.
0: Okay. And can you tell me a little bit about what the difference is between being a real estate agent and being a broker?
1: Sure. Uh, In Virginia, let's just keep it simple. Um, When you get your license, uh, you're a licensee, and then you join the NAR, which is the National Association of Realtors. And that's what makes you a realtor. And that's when you uh, make the obligation to be part of a higher code of ethics uh, that protects you and the public's best interest. Um, And then, you know, if you want, you can continue on your education. And after three years of working full time in the state of Virginia, you then qualify to receive or Uh, test for your broker's license, uh, at which time you can take the test and you can stay either as an associate broker, work under a firm, or you can go and become either a principal broker, or if you want to uh, manage, you can look at other opportunities there and become a managing broker. So um, the level of entry is usually get your real estate license first, and uh, you got to work three years to qualify for the uh, broker's license, and then you can kind of decide which path is right or which uh, path is best for you.
0: So we talked about how you entered in what mm-hmm. sparked your interest into real estate that's a great question
1: bruce uh so my uh father was i'd say my motivator in getting my real estate license uh the summer i graduated high school i was really excited to go to college and he uh you know being a former marine and military person i uh, said you know hey let's get some other things on your uh, uh checklist for the summer so he made me get my real estate license and so Again, it was one of those things where at 18, you don't really know what you want to do in life. And I didn't know if I wanted to be in real estate or not or not. And uh, luckily, I uh, took it, took his advice. And uh, here I am today.
0: So. Would you say that uh, you fell in love with real estate as you got into it? Were you enthusiastic about entering real estate? Like, where did that passion grow?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say it was a love hate relationship at first. I mean, you know, the industry as a whole nationally, I think the average age at that time was 55. So I don't even think I was considered uh, an infant in that stage and in terms of breaking into it. Uh, But as I kind of got my legs and and learned and I moved into commercial real estate early on in my career, I liked that because it was mostly number based and business, uh, you know, centric, which was what I was studying in college. Uh, whereas residential historically is more emotional based and more emotionally driven because it's someone buying their house. Uh, so that really, you know, got me excited about it. And then as I moved into, you know, sales and was able to achieve a few uh, awards, as you've mentioned, such as like 30 under 30 um, and uh, local accolades, uh, you know, being featured in the Washingtonian at a young age uh, gave me the confidence to kind of move on. So, you know, I got tap to go into management and uh, was very excited to kind of see where that would take me after doing sales for a good six, seven years. Um, And that's really where I think I fell in love with it when I got to see other people grow that came into the industry, had no experience. And then by, Mm -hmm. you know, by able to train them and and show them the ropes and not have them reinvent the wheel really, you know, excited me even more. So that's why I've stayed in management and continued to where I'm at today, which is, you know, the broker for uh, about five markets, um, you know, and, uh, that in itself is, uh, is a fun challenge overall.
0: Almost two decades of being in the real estate industry. Um, what changed. is, yeah, a lot has changed, but what is something that you consider, uh, a highlight, a particular experience or project that is most memorable, uh, to you and impacted your career?
1: I would say one of the most impactful uh, elements or, or things that have happened in my career was when I bur- when I purchased my first house. I was mm-hmm. uh, 19 years old and I was at the courthouse steps of Fairfax County, and uh, this was you know a new venture for me. And I was able to bid on a property, had never bid on a property before, uh, and secure that property as my primary residence. And uh, you know back then. Uh, You know, this was right after 2008. A lot of things were going on for those who remember. Um, But that in itself, when I was able to see it come full circle and use the skills that I had to purchase my own property, um, I was pretty excited.
0: That would be pretty exciting for purchasing your first home at the age of 19. Um, So you said that you've done both commercial and uh, private residential res- yeah. res- residential commercial and residential but let's focus a little bit about the commercial aspects of it right now uh you've worked with Amaz- amazon and nestle you said that you take the the motion for residential is in it and the motion for commercial is not what was it like working with those two companies
1: uh it was exciting i mean both companies are completely different uh, i'll tell you from the Uh, For Nestle, as an example, the company I used to work for, we did the relocation for their North America headquarters from California here in Roslyn. And so we actually moved their staff. Uh, And so a lot of my agents in my office and in the other offices and around the Northern Virginia area uh, were tasked with helping those individuals purchase the residential property. On the Mm. commercial side, we had uh, the opportunity, one of my agents uh, represented uh, the former CEO of Amazon and uh, purchasing a commercial building in DC uh, in that acquisition, and that was interesting because that you know had no emotion in it. It was just purely due diligence. It was making sure the zoning uh, codes were right and all of that, and the finances were all correct. Um, so two big companies, two international companies, um, but the approaches were different, and the and, and the insides uh, of those deals were, and, and, and in terms of the details of them, were different. So. Um, Again, you know the commercial side of things. You're looking at dollar cents, timelines, acquisition costs, things along those those lines. Whereas on the residential side, it's purely you know, hey, I need to move in the next six months or what have you from a relocation perspective. And you have to look at uh, you know the um, company as a whole and, and how your team can assist them with not just the emotional side but also helping them learn the ropes of the market. So one thing for Nestle that we did is we actually had their staff fly in early start and we some of my agents would drive them around and show them different parts of the dmv because there's you know as you know a huge difference between maryland dc and virginia yes. um, so you know that was a whole new element of uh, showing property that i, I don't think anyone's really been exposed to yet uh so again it's one and the same but at the same time uh you know the emotional aspect always adds another level to it
0: okay so in approaching Yeah. Uh, Large corporations and and approaching individuals. Obviously, one is a higher volume, right? You'll make more money doing corporations and, and, and doing commercial than you would do residential. But the pitch to get them as a client is obviously different. Can you explain the differences in pitches between commercial and residential?
1: Yeah. So usually it goes through a relocation company and the relocation company will identify one or two companies usually and get a bid to represent them. In order to qualify for that bid, and now we're talking high level uh, residential sales because of the volume, uh, you have to have the agent count and the background to fill that void. So again, we're dealing with an account of sometimes 100 plus individuals moving within a six month period. Uh, some is a little bit longer, some is a little bit shorter, but on the residential side, you have to have the agent count. You have to have the knowledge base. And when you pitch it, it, you know, fee obviously is, is a part of that and how that fee structure is, is implemented. Um, but also just making sure that you're able to represent those clients' best needs and there's the inventory there for them. And you're able to abide by their timeline to move, you know, the human capital to the market, uh, within, you know, six to eight months. Um, so there's a lot of planning and logistics that go behind that. And that's not just like, Hey. We'll sell your house, or hey, call us. We'll buy your house. There's a team, you know, that's involved. Uh, so that's on the residential side. When you pitch that to to a corporation, on the commercial side, it's a little bit different. Uh, sometimes there's an NDA sign where you know the company doesn't want anyone to know that they're moving into that market because it might be a publicly traded company, and you, and they don't want uh, other companies to know that their competitor might be moving into town. Uh, so you might get called up by some random person who says they represent a company and say, hey, come meet with us, sign this NDA and let's uh, see where it goes. Uh, but, you know, again, it, you know, we're inside the DMV. There's a lot of government companies. There's a lot of private sector now uh, where there hasn't been in the past. Uh, and, um, you know, from the commercial side and when it's just purely commercial with the relocation thing in mind, it's usually a lot of quietness, a lot of decision making. Sometimes they'll call you a year will go by, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. Sometimes, is, is residential agents will say, "Hey, I want to get into commercial," but they don't know that the timelines for either acquisitions or leases or any kind of project that's involved might take a year, two years to go from start to close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of things can happen in that, you know, in, in, in that timeline. I mean, things can fall through, uh, budgets can be reassessed. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. The exciting part of that, obviously, though, is that you're able to be a part of something that not, not a lot of people are a part of, and you have you know a little bit more of an inside understanding of the movers and shakers in a certain market on the commercial side. So that part, from my perspective, is pretty exciting.
0: So personally, yep. what gives your juices revving more? The thrill of landing a big contract for a commercial deal or the excitement of helping people buy their first home?
1: Back when I was selling real estate, I would say helping someone buy their first home gave me more excitement than landing the corporate uh, contract because uh, you're able to see someone's life change during that transition. Mm -hmm. And that to me was most fulfilling, most rewarding.
0: Okay. And now?
1: now i'm you know back office i deal with litigation i deal with contracts i deal with agents you know running into issues so you know like i said my career is a lot different nowadays and i don't actively sell as the the broker uh, for my company, but you know, I get to see through our partners' eyes and the people that we represent. And you know, I work for a company called Side, and uh, you know, we're a white label company by uh, design. And so we bring on top producing agents and help them grow a business and support them and end their growth. And doing so, it you know, the rewarding aspect of that is I get to see a partner who might have just been a solo agent build a firm, bring on new agents grow into other markets that they've never been a part of. And that is kind of like a combination of everything, you know, the commercial Mm -hmm. side and the residential side that I get to be a part of. And that to me is pretty exciting.
0: So you merged the thing that you fell in love with when you were a, a young real estate agent with helping people and then fostered that same thing with helping people not only, I mean, they're helping people get their new homes, right? But you're helping people expand their business and grow. Yeah. And now that and now that gives you a kick that's really dope um you have all these awards i said 30 <laughs> under 30 i said 40 under 40. can you explain to the people out there what exactly that is because like i said uh almost two decades in the game yeah. so you got real skin in the game but you're still a very very young man so can you tell us about these awards that you've gotten yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to the day one day where you won't be considering me a young man, but that's funny.
0: Uh, Somebody older than you will always consider know, you a I young just, man. I, <laughs> you about that.
1: Hey. Uh, I had the uh, honor and privilege of earning, I guess, 30 under 30, which is uh, the National Association of Realtors every year puts out, um, you know, a request to submit every single individual who's in the real estate uh, industry and a member of the National Association of Realtors, uh, their, you know, um, package. To be considered one of the 30 under 30 that year and you are voted uh by your peers you're voted by other people in the industry and uh you know it's a very tough competition because i think collectively over all the years they've done it they're still under a thousand uh 30 under 30 so uh, that was very uh you know that was a, a hard feat for me in my career to, to achieve but i'm very honored to achieve that uh, and then most recently uh locally uh, there's a, a group of uh, top producers Um, It's called Nova 40 under 40. And uh, I thought, Hey, let's give it a shot. Let's see if uh, we can do it. And um, in representing my company was really the motivation behind that. Um, And luckily, um, you know, I I received that award as well. So um, the NAR one is a national uh, recognition. And then the local uh, Nova is uh, DMV based.
0: Okay. Uh, And for those people that are listening overseas, the DMV is the district, which is Washington, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Uh, so that's that's really dope. With these awards, how did that impact your career? Uh,
1: you know, I would say the first award being, you know, again, coming into the industry at a very young age, connects you immediately with the Nationals network of all these other people that some of them think they're, you know, alone in their market because, you know, we're talking Every state in the fifty states. So We got North Dakota people who you know are doing three hundred uh, transactions a year at a you know one hundred and fifty k average sales price, um, and then we have people in you know Southern California doing you know similar business at a million dollar uh, sales price. So you have so many different people looking at things differently, but coming together and really understanding that the key, one of the keys, in my opinion, of why we made it or why we're a part of this network is because we take you know, our clients' uh, best interest at at heart. And we represent, and, and what it really comes down to is customer service and customer care. And that's really what drives us to get to where we were. So when you're able to collaborate like, you know, you, you know, I've talked about this with other like minded professionals across the country. Not only does it open your eyes and humbles you as an individual, but also gives you new insight to way to approach a certain situation or problem. And you also get a lot of good intelligence about what's going on in the market, what things to be on the lookout for. So overall, it's just, you know, it's a it's a. um, It's a benefit which I didn't even know to what depth it would be until I was able to achieve that. So, um, you know, I I would recommend anyone who's currently in the space and is under 30 to definitely approve because it will definitely uh, make you a better uh, operator in this uh, industry.
0: Well, that leads me to the next question and and you, I I guess, kind of answered it a little bit, but maybe we could elaborate a little bit more of, like I said, almost 20 years in the game, uh, won several, uh, gotten several awards, done crazy business. What advice would you give to young professionals thinking about entering in the field?
1: So I've gotten this question a lot and I, I get this question, um, worded a lot of different ways. And I'll say this, uh, when i'm when i'm managing an office in in some of the past companies i've worked for i've had the privilege of managing agents that are 78 years old some actually i think i think one was 89 years old to 20 years old or 18 years old cuz the youngest you can be is 18 to get in, into real estate in virginia and i look at their you know the industry through their eyes and the older generation is all about word of mouth meeting with people you know, really taking and building their own, uh, you know, name in a market. And the thing I found is a lot of them don't even have a website. They've never had a website. They rarely use their cell phone because they've built that, you know, uh, reputation in the space. And I've actually had people come up to me and say, hey, is that person still in your office? I'd love to work with them. My, my, My sister's brother's sister said they're the one to go with. At the same end, at the other end of the spectrum, we have someone who's new to the game, new to the real estate industry, um, has no experience, but is all over the Internet. Right. And so they have the websites, they have the social media, they have the videos, they have they have all of the posts, they have all of that. The thing I would say is that that is all great. You got to incorporate what the older or the more seasoned generation has utilized to grow their business and start there. And for me, one reason why I think I was very successful very early on was because I knew I didn't, ha- I didn't have any knowledge and I didn't have any real connections. I was 18 years old. But what I did have is I studied the contract. I studied the rules of real estate in and around my market. And I really made sure that if anyone tried to challenge me when I was representing a client about the terminology or some kind of negotiational aspect of a deal, I knew my insides and out about that like a T. So that is really what I think that anyone getting into the real estate industry, not saying everyone does miss that, but I think there's a lot more opportunity to dive deeper into that content uh, content, and they need to really understand it. And now once you get that down and you get, you know, you understand the insides and outs of the contract and how, you know, the MLS works and all the rules and regulations, definitely utilize the social media and all the other things that they're great at. Um, But I see that big difference between both generations.
0: So... Set the foundation before laying the concrete.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Like so, young ones oh, really the- set
1: the foundation before you <laughs> yeah, lay the concrete. Don't yeah, think you laid the Like really, <laughs> dive into it and get a good mentor. Uh, because that will pay dividends, so that you don't fall, your, you don't fall into a trap or fall into a pitfall that uh, you know someone else has done. So the other thing I'd say is find a good mentor, um, reach out to uh, people, don't be afraid to you know uh, ask for help because uh, a lot of people are in this industry that uh, that are willing to help you.
0: So I guess that leads to it, and, and here we go. I'm about to throw you a curveball. How can you find a good mentor? Just because somebody does crazy business doesn't necessarily mean that they would be a good mentor. So what are some things that some of these young people that are entering in the field? And I say young people, so new people entering in the field. Young to the industry, new to the industry. Yeah, new to the industry. There you go right there. What can some people that are new to the industry look towards as characteristics of a good mentor?
1: I would say start with your local association, um, look for people in and around your community that are um, currently doing real estate, give them a call, say, hey, interested in getting real estate, do you have five minutes kind of take you to coffee? Uh, I'm also, uh, you know, happy to uh, take calls, I've taken calls, I've helped mentor agents, you know, over my career, um, find someone local, you know, and also find someone that uh, you connect with. So if you find an agent who likes the same things you like and you're able to, you know, vibe with them and connect with them, with connect with them on that, then then do it. Um, but I would say at, at the very least, start with your local association and your real estate school or what, whatever your uh, venture or um, how you get started takes you um, and then go from there.
0: Now, Will, You and I have had personal conversations is that uh, I'm on Instagram and real estate agents are putting out information and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? And, And you flare up a little bit because you feel like there's a little bit of disinformation. And the reason why we did the entire first segment is because I gave all of my listeners your accolades to know this guy knows what the hell he's talking about. So listen to him and learn. The first thing that I want to talk about is what are some of the current and emerging real estate trends that buyers and share and and sellers, buyers and sellers should be aware of?
1: Okay, so, yes, you're right. Um, We are in an evolving market. There's a lot of changes that have been going on over the last 22 months. And for anyone who's listening who has a real estate agent, talk to them first. Um, But I, I will try to give valuable information that you can use in that conversation. uh, If you are currently represented by a a real estate professional, Um, you know, historically, let's, let's just kind of rip the bandaid off. Interest rates are at the highest level it's been in a long time. And, you know, when you hear the media as a whole, the media likes to, you know, do these scare tactics of, Oh, it's going to go up. It's going to go up. It's going to go. Up. And there's not a lot of depth in, ter- in terms of what you hear in, in the current market from at least as an overall consensus. So right now, the key that I would say out of the gate is educate yourself on your, not, not everyone else, your financial situation, your purchasing power and where, if you are in the purchasing side, can purchase a property, what your uh, DTI is, what your, um, you know, debt to income ratio is, that's what that DTI is. Yeah, I was going to
0: um, ask you, It's like, you just threw it out there and yeah, didn't really get yeah. yeah, no explanation. What kind of
1: debt of debt- loan you would like to explore? And again, not a loan officer, not making that claim, but talk to a lot of loan officers before you purchase a property and, and find out, you know, what programs do you qualify? VA, FHA, conventional, there's a lot of things to look at. Now that's on the purchaser side, very quick synopsis on that. On the seller side, we are in a different market than where we have been historically. Not saying that it hasn't, you know, still been and 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 everyone likes to say it's a buyer's market or it's a seller's market. I would say it depends on where you are financially and where you are or when you, and when you purchased your property. So mm-hmm. for example, if you purchase a property for 300000 and that's an extreme, so not a lot of people did that. I don't know if any really did. But if you paid an absorbent amount of money over what the list price was over the last 22 months, three years, what have you, then you're going to have to sit down and really look at what kind of lateral move, if you do need to sell your house and move somewhere else, you have. Because the cost of the money that you use to purchase that property is not the same as in our current market. So that's something you need to understand on the seller side
0: when you're talking about the people that you're talking about people who are selling, so they bought the home within the last two years, but they paid more than That's the funny, actual man. listen they, they pay. Okay. So they paid more than actual. So we saw that a lot uh, last summer. Yeah. People were uh, spending a hundred, 150, $200,000 over asking price. And what you're saying is you, you have to decide what you want to do based on the numbers that are associated with where we are now, as opposed to when they bought it.
1: Yeah, because, again, the interest rates were at a different level. The cost of borrowing money was at a different level. So if you needed to move either through work or you just wanted to move because you wanted a you know, different house somewhere else, before you decide to sell your home, you really need to talk to either your financial advisor, a loan officer, what ha- or your you know, real estate agent, uh, real estate broker to see what options you have on the table. Because when you do that and you have to, a quick turnaround, the equity in terms of, or the market in itself, in terms of appreciation, in some cases, don't doesn't have time to catch up. In some cases, if you didn't pay too much over, if you paid Atlas price, you might have a little bit of equity in the property. Every case is different, but you need to really sit down and analyze that. And if you're not a numbers person, which is fine, Talk to someone who is, but that is the important aspect that I wanted to bring to this is that, you know, there are so many moving elements when you go either to acquire personal property or sell uh, a property um, that you're not going to hear on the news, that they're not just going to tell you. And you got to slow it down and really understand what you uh, and what um, your ability is to either purchase or if you need to sell, sell, because it's not created equal for everyone else. Everyone has a different, uh, you know, credit history. Everyone has a different debt to income, DTI. Everyone has a different loan or, or some people have paid cash. I mean, one thing to keep in mind is 40% of mortgages that were purchased in the last two years on average, um, were cash purchases. Historically, that's what never that been They was a mean? mortgage. So they took their, their money and paid pure cash. So again, if you're going to sell, are you going to get the rate of return that you want on that property? If you either paid atlas or above now again it's it's up for uh you know discussion but it's things i want you to think about when when doing that analysis
0: so basically to break down everything that you just said so expertly it is don't pay attention to what people say the market is pay attention to you because you are determining what is in your world and what's in within your scope if if they say it's a uh, a buyer's market, but you ain't got the bread, it's not a buyer's market. If they say it's a seller's market, but you didn't have enough equity in it, it's not your market to sell. So that's basically, it's, it's what, don't worry about what they're saying, focus on you.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, we see this a lot where someone will say, hey, you know, my friend at the same company that I work at just purchased a house for 500,000. I think I could purchase a house for 500,000, not realizing that that person has no credit card debt is completely, you know, has, you know, savings has saved every penny since he got into his career, you know, in his job. And you, on the other hand, is partied up a little bit. Yeah, your credit isn't that great. You're not equal. I mean, that's the thing, but everyone's going to c- try to come up with that. And not everyone, I'm just saying that a lot of the um, narrative is, oh, if they did it, or oh, I think I have the same ability to do so, but stay in your lane and find out. And sometimes you'll be surprised what options are on the table for those that are, you know, military and the VA? There's great VA uh, loan programs out there uh, with little to no money down. Um, you know, again, there's strategy behind uh, trying to compete in a market with that kind of loan. Um, but there's, you know, again, it's what what you and what matters to you and what you can do uh, that is uh, the takeaway in that, and not anyone else.
0: Okay, so I know one of the things that we we've talked about personally sure. is. You said it earlier at the top, interest rates as highest as they've been in, in a very, very long time, but I'll have people that are on my Instagram who are real estate agents who are saying, "Ah, oh, don't worry about the interest rates. It's really not that bad. You've said that's not completely true, but it's not completely a lie. Can you kind of explain what that means?
1: Sure. You got to strategize. So right now, and I would say this to anyone that I talk to, you know, interest rates Let's just say they're 7%. I don't know if they are today, but just say they are. Um, and everyone's thinking, oh, I'm going to purchase when interest rates go down or whatever. Or maybe they need to purchase now. But one thing that I've always utilized in my career and one reason that I, I've tried to help uh, you know uh, agents think differently, and and that's an important part. And that's one reason why we brought this up when we were talking, is you want to stay clear of what everyone else is doing in a market like what we have. So if you have a buyer or if you are a buyer and you see that interest rates are at 7%, but you found your dream home or the home that meets all of your wants and needs, this is what I would strategize to do. I would talk to the seller, see if you can get kind of, or talk with your agent to try to see if you could get any concessions on the uh, buy side. I would talk with a few lenders, see if you can get a free refi um, with that loan so that you can then utilize a lower interest rate when rates do dip. And if they do dip, then you're able to lock that in um, at a lower rate. So the, the point I'm making here is you need to think outside the box a lot of, in, in a market like we have today and really you know, strategize going back full circle to what we were saying earlier about attacking or uh, approaching uh, an offer scenario in our current market. But if you find that property, don't, don't no, dismiss it utilize it, but there's other things to keep and take take into consideration. What I'm seeing to your point is everyone's saying, like, hey, your car loan is X, your credit card is this, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a great time to buy. That might not necessarily be true because what I was saying earlier is everyone's different. But if it's right. something that fits your needs and it's the house that you want, let's make that offer, but let's see if we can make that offer where when interest rates drop down to say 5% or 5.5% or 6%, that we're able to pull the trigger and save ourselves a little bit of money. Um, by, you know, getting that free refi uh, by that lender that we asked for, um, or, you know, getting kind of uh, some kind of concession because the house has been on the market for more than 30 days um, from the seller to to offset um, any additional cost to us.
0: Now, there was something that you brought up as far as the refi. So, can you break that down? I know when we had a conversation, you were like, hey, look, you can go to, was it a loan officer that you said that part of your, the agreement is hey interest rates are high now but ask for a free refi loan (laughs) yeah i I was talking talking about
1: and again i'm not a lender but i was talking to a lender and they they made sure to that i said this as a disclaimer make sure it's a free refi or as free as can be because there Mm -hmm. are fees any single time you refi a loan that are are incurred by all parties and some of them are hard fees but you could hypothetically um negotiate a free refi with your lender to help offset any additional costs when rates go down. Now you're going to have to pay certain fees, talk to your lender about those fees and what they might be, but no one's going to ask for that unless you know to ask for it. And so that's Mm -hmm. something that I wanted to make everyone aware of is that, you know, make sure everything's, you know, above board and everything's legal, but there's nothing that restricts a lender from offering that kind of, um, I wouldn't say discount, but that that kind of incentive, um, you know, throughout the process
0: it's just a, a sweetener to the deal. Look, yeah. the interest rates are higher than than they have been in a very long time now. That doesn't mean that they're going to continue to stay this high. Let me get that free refi. So in a couple of years, when the interest rates go down, I might be paying a high mortgage now because of a high interest rate. But in a couple of years, when the interest rate goes down, I got that re- free refi. I can change up my whole mortgage. Yeah. That's Make basically sure what you're saying. Including
1: the loan docs, ask for it. I'm sure some might be willing to offer it, some might not be, depending on you know uh, who they are and what their restrictions are, but it's a question that should at least be brought up in that conversation and exploration when looking for a lender.
0: Okay. Another thing that you talked about when, in our personal conversations was assuming a loan
1: sure. or assuming
0: a mortgage. Can you explain to the people exactly what that is?
1: Great question. So we are in a very unique market in the sense, to your point, rates are high. Low inventory, all of that. There are three loans that can be assumed. Um, you know, the most common three loans that can be assumed is uh, FHA, VA, and USDA. Now, again, talk to your loan officer about this, or talk to you know uh, your agent about this. Um, but in doing so, you still have to meet the qualifications of the loan to be assumed. But there's many times that people are not aware that you can assume a loan at a lower rate. Or under certain parameters, they think they just all have to go out and get a new loan. So again, you got to slow things down, build out a strategy, as a, as I've said, you know, throughout the podcast. Um, but that is a way to assume it or explore assumptions. The other option is seller financing, and what I had said earlier about you know forty percent of mortgages were or excuse me, properties were purchased without a loan. You could, if you found a house that was paid in cash prior, and you can search this data online for the most part. and it's you know it's actively on the market. You can inquire with the seller about seller financing. You can say, hey, I'm going to give you a big portion of uh, you know money down, but let's work out where you are essentially the bank and I'm going to be paying you every month um, because you don't have a mortgage on this property. And again, this kind of scenario that we're talking about here takes time. There's a lot of competition for it. Uh, a lot of people might not be aware that the, this kind of uh, opportunity exists in the space, but this is just another thing you should be exploring and talking about um, and bringing into your strategy if you are on the purchasing side, um, or even if you're on the selling side and you want to net either the best and highest profit for your home on the list side, or if you want to try to save as much money as possible to offset the high interest rates on the buy side.
0: Wow. I didn't even know that was an option that the the seller could actually be the bank. now. Okay. There's some things that come along with that, right? Like if you decide to go that route, if you're, if you want to sell your home sure. and you want to do what, what you suggested, which is essentially be the bank, what are some of the, I'm trying to come up with the right adjective to, to using this. What are some I, of the fallbacks?
1: Fallbacks. Great, great, yeah. great uh, idea. Um, I, it depends on how you do it, and again, I'm not an underwriter. I've seen loans. I'll tell. I'll tell you from experience. Uh, you know, you usually give a down payment to uh, an installment or a down payment to the seller, and then you pay a monthly fee as you would a normal bank, right? Um, the seller still ho- holds the deed of that property while you're paying. Um, and if you were not to pay, you know, Virginia's is famous saying, "If you don't pay, you don't stay." So mm-hmm. some of those scenarios could be if you feel that you might default. On you know that kind of note that you have or deal you have with the seller that did the seller financing, um, there might be you know eviction, there might be other penalties uh, involved. Uh, but again, that's why we have great you know attorneys, and that's why we have great loan officers and everyone you know that I've that I've worked with, especially here in, in the Northern Virginia DC area, um, that can help you with that. But overall, I would say you know know what you're going, know what the terms are going into the transaction before you sign the deal.
0: Okay, so. I don't know if I'm getting this right in in this description, but that, is that kind of like rent to own? Because you're not building equity in that particular instance. You're not building equity, but you're you're paying off uh, the loan agreement that you have with the individual seller. And and for those people out there that are trying to follow, I know I'm going all over the place, but what I'm trying to do is, uh, with Will, give you guys a lot of options to think about when purchasing or selling a home, because everybody is talking about this is not a good market. And once again, like Will said, it's all individual. It can be a good market depending on your situation, or it could be a bad market depending on your situation. We're just giving you options. So, so
1: the rental is tr- I'm, I'm renting, like I'm paying a monthly fee to then at the end of my term of my lease, have the option essentially to buy the property. So I'm going to mm-hmm. be in there and then at the end of my lease, I'm, I'm renting and then I get like the first right of refusal, the option to purchase the property at the end of that lease. So I'm and all rent, the
0: money that you put into that rent could not be. To- I mean, there's a lot
1: of different oh. deals I've seen in my career. So. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but but that's one way to do it. Another way in the seller financing side. And again, I highly recommend anyone listening who might you know try to challenge some of the terms that we're using here. Speak to your loan officer, speak to a financial institution. But you usually do a down payment or a large installment, and then you work out either monthly payments and maybe an additional installment, or what have you under the seller financing guidelines. So you might do one big installment, let's just keep it simple, you're buying a $500,000 house, you put $200,000 down, then you'd be paying monthly, and then maybe every six months or every year, I don't know, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to structure it, you're gonna do more installments, and then eventually you've paid off that, and it's your house, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But the, the seller has, is essentially held the note to that property until you have paid that that off. And so they are still in control of that asset. All right. To a certain degree. Rent to own. I'm renting either the rent that I'm paying is being deducted from the sales price. We've agreed to a sales price. We've entered into an agreement. And therefore, at the end of that term, I'm going to purchase the property is another way to look at it as well.
0: Another way to look at it. So, okay. So we've gotten, you can assume loans. There's different loan options out there, uh, with FHA and, um, VA, USDA. And and yeah. VA, okay. Uh, rent to own or rent to buy. Um, ask it for free refis. What are some other options that people can use to navigate these high interest rates? Uh,
1: I mean, I'm sure lenders would probably say pay down or buy down points. You know, that's something that you'd want to talk about. What's uh, you- that? like you have a mortgage rate, but then you could pay additional money to bring the rate down. Um, okay. Again, talk to your loan officer uh, utilizing either um, your 401k or any kind of other investments that you might have. If you wanted uh, to look at uh, additional money uh, in terms of a down payment, but again, talk to your loan officer and your financial institution. Cause one thing I've seen in the past, is someone will come into our office and and an agent will represent them and they might have half a million dollars in, in investments, but it's not liquid investments. So on paper they have it, but in order to get that liquid, in order to purchase a property, it might take 60 to 90 days. And if you've entered into a contract of sale and it's a 45 day close, uh oh, we have a problem. So know that, like I've said at the, at the very beginning of this, know your strategy, build out a strategy, um, and be transparent with your agent uh, because it's gonna it's gonna help you out in the long run. But those are some of those you know uh, examples that I, that I think is important to think about. So. Um, Looking at options. And if you've never uh, taken out of your 401k, talk to your financial institution to see if there's, you know, what the tax uh, implications are uh, and what kind of options you might be, because some allow a one time withdrawal to uh, purchase, uh, you know, your primary residence. Um, You can get gifts from family and friends. You know, that's another common thing. A lot of, I had one client years ago who got like 30 gifts to purchase his first property. And so, you know, again, you need there's a paper trail there that you need to follow, um, but it can be done. Um, but you know, like I said, you got to get creative, you kind of got to get down and it's um, and, and do your research, you know, do your due diligence do your research. Um, but there are even with the current, you know, rates and the current market trends that we have going on, there are options.
0: And I know me and you have talked about this personally. Sure. And, and you said, you know, when people find their dream home, even though the interest rate is high, you know, obviously, like we've been saying, this entire conversation. Do your due diligence and find out what's best for you. But yes. if if you can do it and you found your dream home, don't be fearful of that high interest rate because there are ways to get what you which your dream home and deal with the high interest rate now or at a later date with the free refi's if you can get that.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing I think is the key takeaway here is. Stay in your lane. Know what works best for you, um, and don't listen to the noise. There's a lot of noise in anything and everything right now. Um, but you know, assess, put together a plan, you know, and and, and go from there. And, and that's really, I think, the key advice I can give anybody is is know what you want and stick to that.
0: So, so many real estate agents will post these things on Instagram, and and you'll. I'll, I'll show it to you and you will say, oh, that's just not right. How can how can people find, because in every industry, there are people that are really, really good at their job and there are people that are really, really bad at their job. So there are some really great real estate agents out there and there are some that are not so great. What are some of the qualifications that people should be looking towards or looking for in real estate agents when they are ch- looking to find a real estate agent to sell or buy their home?
1: So um, a few things I would consider is the agent that you're either talking to their level of devotion to their career in real estate. And what do I mean by that?
0: Yeah. Give me an example.
1: Are they full time? Are they part time? Are you know? are they in the market that you're looking at to purchase? Do they have local market knowledge? Are they out of state? Are they a friend or family? The thing I would say is, if anything, if you have a fa- friend or family that you know personally and is a great person, but you don't see yourself working with them to purchase your first property, talk to them and maybe they can help you find somebody that will represent you better than what they can do. And they might get a referral fee, but you know, at least have that upfront conversation with them about what you're looking to do. And if they're not licensed in the state, don't let them represent you because they can't. So that's the first thing i will say you can't let, they can't they can't represent you okay like maybe they can refer you to somebody that they would say hey here's an agent that i think will help you and, and get you to the end you know and get you what you need uh, and get you across the finish line that's what i would say is the first thing the second thing is not all agents are created equal in the sense that although some agents you might see you know on social media to your point with a ton of content they might not have the market knowledge in the market that you're looking at, even though they have a ton of content that that you need, which is fine. You know, Explore, talk to different agents, talk to different people. Um, be transparent though. If you are in and you have entered into an agency agreement with somebody, let the agent know, because that is the biggest headache I think anyone has ever dealt with is, oh, well, thank you for that inf- insight. I'm going to go work with this other agent I've been talking to you for the last four weeks. Don't do that. But at the same time, not like, like in any industry, you know, fitness or, or education or medicine, you know, you got to do your due diligence. So that's what I would start. Um, in addition to that, you know, uh, ask questions, inquire, but be honest about it. And a lot of times if an agent is a local agent and they have experience, they will sit there and listen to your questions and answer them without any kind of obligation uh, to work with them because they want to help you. Um, And you'd be surprised how many times that happens. Now, granted, hopefully at the end of the day, if it's a good fit personality wise and you guys have a good vibe together, you'll work together or you'll refer them out or what have you. Um, But that's, you know, that's where I would start.
0: Okay, and I guess the final question I would have for today is we've given a lot of people uh, a lot of information. Are there certain websites that people can go to? Certain networks or or associations that people can look into if they're looking to buy or sell a home.
1: Yes. Um, Well, you can always contact me and I'll direct you to any of our partners. So that's where I will say that'll be my plug. If you need anything or want any local market knowledge, even if it's somewhere outside of the DMV, I'm happy to try to connect you with who that is. Uh, You know, referral fee or not. I I just want to help you out. Um, If you're on the rental side.
0: and, And by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, for all of our guests, their bios are on the website. So when the show launches, you'll be able to go on the website, unsolicitedperspectives.com and click Will's name and all of his information will be right there where you could contact him to get more information on real estate. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Here to help you nonetheless. Uh, If you're on the rental side, there is one app that I actually recommend. It's called Zumper. They did not pay me to say that, but it's a great resource uh, just to kind of look at apartment buildings and what's coming on and going off the market. If you're looking for, uh, you know, financial uh, insight, talk with your bank first, like where where you yeah. have your money. Like, start it mm-hmm. start, start, yeah. start simple, right? You know, start right. there. Um, if you know a realtor and you're interested in, in learning more on the either buy or sell side, speak to them first, you know, just kind of get the lay of the land. Um, and you know, again, I don't want to be biased for some of the things that are out there and some of the sites that are out there because everyone's different. But the one thing I will say is do your research. Spend more than 10 minutes looking online. Don't go to the first ad that you see because they're paid ads and really dive into the market that you're looking at. And at the very least, if, if there's anything I can do or my team or anyone uh, in my network can help you with, we're here to help.
0: All right. That is Will Wired managing broker at side uh what would you like to to say to the people out there to just you know at, to end this in this interview
1: well thank you for having me on it is a true pleasure and uh you know again thank you for listening and hopefully at the end of this like one reason why i've been in this industry as long as i have is to give back and try to help you know uh, the public and 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 people looking into real estate uh either from a career perspective or just from a buyer seller perspective um, and help them along the way. Because, you know, again, one thing we didn't get into, but I've made tremendous mistakes in my career. And if there's anything (laughs) I can do to help offset anyone else from making those mistakes, I will do my very best
0: to do that. Oh, that's really dope. Uh, Well, I want (laughs) to thank you for coming in. I want to thank you for uh, enlightening the people out there. Everybody, once again, go to unsolicitedperspectives.com. Click on Will's name. That'll have his bio and all of his contact information. Well, not all of his contact information, but his his professional contact information. Uh, I want to thank you once again for coming on. Thank you, man. I think people really, really learned something from this. And until next time, to everybody out there, I'll holler. Thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and donate. Donations help us keep giving you free content each and every week. Until next time, out in 5,000. Peace.